Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When Satan condemns, understand something. It's not a loud roar. It's more like a purr. It's more like a soft purr. You sinner. You hypocrite. You're reading Daniel. He prayed three times a day. You can't pray three times a year. Hypocrites. You see, Satan likes to not roar because you'd go, oh, that's the devil. Oh, yes, that's the devil. That's Satan. I can hear it. He's He's roaring. That's the devil. You could identify that. But a soft purr, just soft. That's all he needs. Just a little bit. Just to accuse you. God doesn't love you. Look at you. You sinner. You see? And then what happens, you go, yeah, 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 Satan. What was that? And after a while, you're just like, tell me more. Tell me, what? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, I, you're right. I am bad. And yeah, maybe God doesn't love me. I better stop going to church because I'm a hypocrite. And you start talking like Satan, believing the lie of Satan. So Satan is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Interesting parallel. Here is another one, another parallel. Did you notice this, that Darius didn't want to put Daniel in the pit and put him to death any more, get this, than Pilate wanted to sentence Jesus to death. Remember Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. He has done nothing wrong. And then Pilate, get this, tried to figure out a way that he could avoid crucifying Jesus. And that's why he had him scourged, hoping to satisfy the bloodthirsty crowd. The people pressured Pilate, and Pilate handed Jesus over to be killed. And did you notice the parallel? They pressured Darius. They said, you are required by law to put Daniel to death. He did not want to. Interesting parallel. Here's another. Notice Daniel is an innocent man. He finds himself in a cold, dark, stony rock pit with a stone over it, and it's sealed with a signet ring. Did you notice that? Jesus, an innocent man, was buried in a cold, dark, stony rock pit grave with a stone rolled in front of it with a signet stamp on it. Interesting parallel. Now, you know, there's only one thing that can defeat a lion. You know what that is? A bigger, stronger, greater lion. And the Bible tells us 
that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So he gets the victory. He has already gotten the victory. And you have already gotten the victory. You just cannot listen to the purr of the devil. Sunday, let me shift gears here. Sunday, I told you that I wanted to talk to you about politics and the Christian and what is our responsibility. We talked about Daniel, who he wasn't seeking to stir things up politically with King Darius by going to the window to pray. Daniel was doing what Daniel had always done in terms of praying. Daniel was disobeying the command of the government. He was disobeying the law because the law was in violation against the command of God. We'll talk about that in just a second. And so I thought it might be a good opportunity in light of the coming elections. I hear so much talk about Christians and our responsibility or lack thereof in the political realm. And I thought, well, let's talk about this since we're here in Daniel chapter 6, particularly in verse 10 and just this whole context here. Uh, let's talk about this for a minute. The, the Christian and what is our responsibility and our position as it relates to politics. Let me just say right out the gate here that, that I don't intend, nor do I ever recommend that anyone preach politics. Neither will I be preaching about politicians much. But the truth is, I don't believe in politics because ultimately politics don't change people. Change will only happen when people's hearts are changed. So I don't preach politics. I don't recommend that Christians preach politics. We should preach Jesus Christ. If you agree with that, say amen. And so the important thing for Christians, I think, is to be preachers of the gospel and not preachers of politics. Now, it's a pretty grievous thing to me when I see and hear of Christians and I see Christians preaching politics. And oftentimes I just found it an irony. Now, this does not apply to anyone in this room. I know that. But oftentimes you find Christians preaching politics and they're bold and vocal, man. I mean, they get all in your face. I mean, what well, you don't believe this, and you don't believe, I can't believe you want to vote for that creep, and blah, blah, blah. And they're just as vocal as you could imagine. But, but as soon as you say, well, hey, you know, do you ever get to share your faith? Well, no, now, that's a private matter. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, 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 some things are not to be discussed. I'm like, what is that? And this is what we see too often. It's pretty grievous to me as a pastor. You know, the Bible does tell us that God ordained the system of civil government. And as Christians, let me just say, we, I believe, have the responsibility to be salt and light. And part of being salt and light is our responsibility to the government. Can I add this? Dot, dot, dot. In a balanced way. And that's what I want to talk about. Two scriptures that we want to look at tonight. I want you to back up 
two chapters, Daniel chapter four, look at verse 17. We covered this a couple of weeks ago, but I think it certainly is worthy for us to take the time tonight to just kind of reiterate Daniel chapter four, look at verse 17. Daniel chapter four, look at verse 17. If you are there, say amen. Notice in verse 17, it says, this decision, and you ought to highlight this, these verses, 17, you ought to highlight it. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know, underline this, that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomever he wills and he sets over it, get this, the lowest of men. Now, that is pretty interesting. I want you to notice something. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but just to lay a foundation, verse 17 says the most high God rules in the kingdom of men. The first thing you need to understand and we need to understand is that God is in charge of governments. Number one, God rules in human affairs. God is the boss. God is sovereign. Remember that word sovereign? I told you it means that God is subject to no one, influenced by no one, and is absolutely independent and does whatever he wants to. That is a definition of sovereignty. God does whatever he wants to. Psalm 115 verse 4 is one of my favorites, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. I love that. That's God's sovereignty. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse three, this is another one of my favorites. God is in heaven and you are on the earth. So let your words be few. Take note. In other words, God is in heaven. You're on the earth. So shut up. That's what it means in Hebrew. There you go. So we can be assured with this verse, God rules in the human in human affairs. We can be assured that the world hasn't gotten so bad and the candidates haven't gotten so bad that God has lost control. You understand that? Say amen. Doesn't it's not so bad. The second thing we can learn from this verse is that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And the second thing is he gives it to whomever he chooses and sets over it the lowest of men. In other words, God appoints human leaders and oftentimes, get this, he picks the worst of the rulers to lead. Now, that's interesting. You see, if your particular politician candidate does not win the election, don't be disappointed. You might want to rejoice because God sometimes sets the worst over the government, not the best. Isn't that interesting? Now, we think God sets the best over government. Oh, not all the time. God will set the So if your candidate doesn't win, rejoice, because that means you were right. He is the best guy. Hmm. Think about that on your way home, right? So, so God rules. God is sovereign, and he involves himself in the affairs of men. And if that be true, then what is the Christian's responsibility to government? Would you turn with me, and this is where we'll stay tonight, Romans chapter 13. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. This is where we'll kind of hang out for the rest of our time together tonight. Romans chapter 13. 
What is the Christian responsibility to government? Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. Let every soul, that means every person, every person, be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. Be very afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Now, It's very hard to think of the IRS as ministers of God. And this is a fact. They do attend upon these very things. And this is this is a fact. So then in verse seven, render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due customs to whom customs fear to whom fear honor to whom honor. If you sum up these verses, you sum up this whole statement, it simply says that Christians are to be model citizens. Why? Because civil authority exists by the appointment of God. Psalm 62, verse 11, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Even Jesus recognized that fact when he stood before the godless governor, you know, Pontius Pilate, and he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, don't you know I have authority over you? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, you couldn't have any authority unless it were given to you by God. Power belongs to God. Now, the interesting thing about Romans 13, did you notice this? There is no distinction between good governments and bad governments. There are good governors and there are bad governors. Some governors are ex-actors. I mean, they're governors, all kind of governors. They're good kings and bad kings. They're good presidents and bad presidents. There's good laws and bad laws. But here in Romans 13, there's no distinction made whether it's a good government or a bad government. Why? Because you got to keep in mind, get the background. When Paul was writing this letter to the church at Rome, get this. There was a bad government in place. The Christians in the early church were being forced by the Roman Empire to participate in Caesar worship. What's that? As a test of loyalty, all people were commanded to ascend the platform and offer a pinch of incense on the altar to Caesar while saying Caesar is Lord. So if you put a pinch of incense on the altar, you were declaring the Roman government to be deity. You were declaring the Roman government to be God. And so Christians, we know, they knew that there's only one God. And so they refused to offer a pinch. And millions of our brothers and sisters, mind you, were arrested, sold into slavery, 
and even murdered. This was the government at the time that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. And he says, you are to be subject to the governing authorities. How could Paul say that? Because Paul knew that God was in control of government. And he trusted that. Christian, he trusted that. That God ultimately was in control of governments. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this, Christian, is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. He said, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. And notice this, for the president, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we Christian folks might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. You see, many times God wants us to be in prayer for our king. And do you know that even in persecution, do you know that in the time of bad government, in the time of the worst government, testing and trial and persecution and suffering. Do you understand that the church still yet has the ability to grow? Yes, the church can grow even when the government is bad. How do you know that? Well, we know that from history. I was thinking about the church in China. Christians who refused to worship the state as God were harassed and tortured and killed. I read that the first hundred years of missions from the West to China, 800,000 people converted to Christianity. 800,000 people came to Christ in a hundred years of missions to China. During the 40s, communism took over the church and was forced underground. They didn't have Bibles. They didn't have buildings, they didn't have budgets, they didn't have programs, they didn't have TV or radio. And many people thought the church in China was dead until someone decided to take a trip from the West and they went to check on them and found that the church had not only continued to survive, but get this, they grew from 800,000 to 10 million converts. That's exciting. What do we learn from that? We learn that even though there's bad government, that we can still, as believers, we can grow personally and we can grow as a church even in the face of persecution and trial and suffering and the worst of governments. Because God is in control of governments and God is still in control of his church. Remember, Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell, nor any government, nor any wicked president can prevail against my church. And so here's the balance here. We as Christians, we have a democratic form of government. The United States, we, we have a democratic form of government. 
We are allowed to vote. We're allowed to write letters. We're allowed to make phone calls. We're allowed to send emails to government officials. Christians are allowed and should, and it's our responsibility to be involved in politics. But can I just encourage you before you pick it, pray. Folks want to pick it, but they don't want to pray. And the folks who do pick it, they don't pray. Before you pick it, pray. This is the biblical place. And that's what I believe is not happening in the church today. We aren't praying for the governments. We aren't praying about the issues. And please, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm first. I haven't been praying for the government, the candidate that I'm opposed against. Who is that? You'll never know. No, I haven't been. But that's what we are called to do. We should first pray, then vote, and then submit. Are there times when we shouldn't submit to the government? Absolutely. When? I talked about it just a few minutes ago. If a government gives a decree or makes a law that is against the higher law of God, then we are called to disobey it. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, you might remember Pharaoh gave a decree that every male baby should be killed. And there were a couple of midwives who refused. Why? Because the law of God said thou shalt not kill. Daniel chapter three, a decree went out to worship the golden image and the three Hebrew boys, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. They refused. Why? Because you shall not have any gods before me. Daniel chapter 6, we just read it. A legal decree went out that no prayer should be offered to any God. And Daniel said, nope, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Not going to do it. We are called to disobey any law that seeks to violate and causes us to be in opposition against the higher law of God. Acts chapter 4, they said to Peter and John, you can't preach Jesus. And Peter and John said, King, we don't know what to tell you. You figure it out on your own, but we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And those boys, they went back out on the street and they started preaching right away. Expeditiously. Right back out there preaching. They brought them back in. They arrested them. And they said, didn't we tell you not to preach? And they said, we must obey God rather than man. The time to disagree with the law, to break the law, to disobey the law, is when the law puts you in opposition against the highest law, which is the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen, saints? You see, here's a summation of our responsibility to government. We need to respect it, submit to it, support it with taxes, and pray for it. And occasionally, you must disobey it. So with all that, we have a God-given responsibility to vote wisely. It was James Madison, who was the nation's fourth president of the United States and the father of the Constitution. And he said this. I like these words. We have staked the whole future of American civilization, not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of All our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind to self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves according to the commandments of God. I like that. So let me just encourage you to vote. And before you vote, 
ask yourself two questions. That's all I'm going to encourage you to do. I'll tell you who to vote for. Just ask yourself these two questions before you vote. Number one, does the candidate that you will vote for align himself or herself with God's standard? Number one, this is how you vote. And number two, will the initiative or the proposition for which you are voting yes or no affect God's standard? Ask those two questions before you vote. You need to register to vote. It was Edmund Burke, a political philosopher, and he said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. It's true. Christians, you know, folks say being a Christian is for wimps. I'm like, I don't know what kind of Christians you know, because being a Christian is the highest call on the earth, and we govern our lives by by what this word, what the Bible has to say. That's how we live our lives. Sometimes it's difficult, but we have the Holy Spirit who gives us the grace to do what it is he has called us to do. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.